0: when we talk about consciousness and how do you create that consciousness, maybe it's just about having these conversations and connecting all the worlds up in a place that people feel yeah. comfortable to have them, but uncomfortable to do it.
1: You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens. Where humanity are stakeholders, different distinctions encouraged. Intention starts from a no-judgement zone. A certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation.
2: Say so your accent's pretty strong. To be to be real, just keeping yeah. it real.
0: Keeping it real. I just sort of am a chameleon. I just blend into whatever background there is.
2: I do that too. And I often get asked, what, what is my accent? And it depends where I am to how strong it sort of feels. And if I spend too much time in Texas, it is a very, 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 very funny accent that I have, (laughs) I have to admit. Um, But I used to, I used to get hassled for, for my accent because, in all seriousness, because and and I would say it was a mongrel accent, which was just, you know, mixes of everything, right? Mm-hmm. Then I met someone who goes, wow, Kirin Marie, you have such an international accent. So from that day on, I had an international accent not a mongrel one so there you go yeah, sounds
0: good sounds way nicer <laughs> saying an international accent than a mongrel accent
2: <laughs> i know right but here's the other thing i know and i think this is kind of funny because even to this day particularly living in australia and being kind of stuck here right now means that i get hassled sometimes when i might have a little bit of a flavor of kiwi in it and i go you do know I was born there, and it's okay for me to have some
0: Kiwi in there.
2: I I really don't know why it's such a problem sometimes.
0: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when I was in England, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, people would say to me, oh, you're not from around here, are you? And I'm like, well, Hmm. yeah, I am. And then when I'm in (laughs) Australia, people are like, oh, well, you're not from here. And I'm like, well, hang on, I've got to be from somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So in England, I'm Australian, and in Australia, I'm I'm English, and so this is a weird kind of dance that you have to play as well, and it sort of plays with your plays with your head a little bit because for me, I'm just wherever I am, and that's me too. Me too,
2: but that's not that's also brought a lot of. uh, I really. I really connect with that because literally, uh, you know, I've had trouble because I feel like I'm a real global citizen. I really honestly do. And that has been kind of hard because when I go back to New Zealand, I get told, where are you from? Like they don't believe I'm from New Zealand. And I don't feel like I love New Zealand, but I don't feel, like it's always going to be a part of who i am but it's not all of who i am i love Mm. australia i've lived here longer than new zealand and you know but i have always been a foreigner in this country because i am from new zealand and it doesn't matter how long you live in this country because of the new zealand kiwi you know and the australian sort of rivalry there's always that fact so i i often fought with that going, where do I fit? Who am I? And and how do I make that work? And, and I think that's been one of the trickiest pieces, to be honest, of being stuck here with the borders mm. closed.
0: Mm. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And then you sort of have to make that decision of whose narrative am I going to play into?
2: Mm, tell me more
0: about that. You know, well, am I going to play into their narrative of who I am? Or am I going to play into my narrative of who I am? Or do we have to find some neutral, you know, like, place to meet? Um, because there's so much wrapped up in 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 that, that desire to sort of compartmentalize everything. So it's like, you know, for me, mm. I, I work in television and film, and I've always been Paul the film guy. Do you know what mm. I mean? And then you branch out and you work in in lots of fields and then suddenly because I've been in Australia for 22 years, people have only known me from the 22 point, Do you yeah. know what I mean? And so then it's yes. interesting, I'm doing a project in the UK and they've known me since I, I was like seven years old and so they don't care about the 22 point, they only care about mm. the seven point, Do you know what I mean? And so you've got all these weird sort of, you know, narratives that people put on each other. Um, yeah. And I find that fascinating and, and and you know, that's a lot of what the work that I do anyway, because it's all around story and narrative, but lockdown but and, has and been interesting.
2: Yeah. Tell me, how's it been for you?
0: Oh, I've hated it. I've hated everything <laughs> of it. Um, yeah. Last year was a real challenge because, you know, the, there's so many benefits in that you, you get to be amazing. Like we have conversations like this and I've had conversations with people all over the world. Um, but I think, uh, you know, we talk about life reflecting back to us when you're in this sort of snow dome (laughs) every Mm -hmm. day, the most you can do is just shake up the bits of snow that are in your own dome. It gets a little bit tiresome after a while. So I think because we are, well, some of us like to have this global footprint, um, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're stuck in one space, I mean, my commute last year was literally 30 seconds from the kitchen to the office. Whew. So, which Did is fine. No, I hated it because it like <laughs> exactly. podcast. I couldn't listen to the podcast. I couldn't, you know, like, but at the yeah. time, like the year before, I was like, I hate driving to work. And now I'm like, I love driving to work. I just want to drive to work. <laughs> so again, it's all based on whatever's going on in your mind at the time so
2: i so agree and by the way welcome to the decision table paul (laughs)
0: um
2: we i just realized i hadn't even welcomed you to the table and we're just straight into it but i i just really want to welcome you here because um you know we are literally just having conversations like this and i just think it's so important for us to to get back to having conversations and and seeing what is the narrative we're creating or not creating or what are the stories that have served us well in the past but i wonder are still serving us well going Mm -hmm. forward and if we take what you just said around um being on lockdown you know all of a sudden you weren't listening to those podcasts because you weren't driving away how do you think the story has changed? What are you going to take from what was the narrative before into what's going forward, or are you going to leave some things behind? Are you going to take some things forward? Are you going to do it differently? What are you thinking?
0: Let's start with the small questions first. Um, of
2: course,
1: that's only <laughs> where I go.
0: <laughs> well, you know what I, I, some, I was um, chatting to someone the other day in New York, and they were saying, "What was your best purchase?" during lockdown, you know, the, the the purchase that really helped your year or defined your year, I was like, I actually don't think I bought anything. Like I was the opposite to everyone going online shopping. I was like, right, I don't need any of this in my life right now. So so I think in terms of what I'd leave behind is that, that need for things, mm. you know, that need to gather. And I think one yeah. thing that has been really big during lockdown is the need to contribute you know, this, you know, mm. how do I contribute to others? How do I share? How do I, you know, like my friend and I, because we had a very strong lockdown in Melbourne where we couldn't go out. We had a curfew. Did. So we had to value that hour. We had an hour a day where Oof. we could leave the house, you know, and we've grown up in a time of abundance, a time of freedom yeah. Yeah. where we've just taken it for granted. And so here we are in the lucky country. And in Melbourne, which is Mm. supposed to be the most most livable city in the world. And we've got an hour, an hour to appreciate it. So you really do distill down what that hour means and who you want to spend that hour with. And for me, I'm like, I don't want to go buying things. I don't want to go getting things. I just want to go and have a conversation like this and spend time understanding what the world looks like for others. And how we can, you know, like I had some serious mental health issues during uh, lockdown you know because you know men we like to go out and we like to go walk about and we love to have this sense of freedom you know men drive four-wheel By the drive way, I not- don't
2: think I don't think it's gender specific on this one <laughs> no, I'm no, with you right. on this one <laughs> mm. like serious um, I hated lockdown in that way yeah and I I you know, and someone said to me, reminded me, you know, I would say, "Oh, we're so isolated in our house and they go, no, no, you're in lockdown in your mansion. And I, so, you know, I was extremely grateful to where I live and the fact that I, for us, if we got, um, see, we weren't allowed to even go for a walk because we were in the Northern beaches and the Northern beaches was in total lockdown over Christmas. Right. Um, And so it was that longing to see, I could see it outside my window, (laughs) but I couldn't be a part of it. That was the killer.
0: Yeah. Well, Um, and that's it. And I think you do, you know, So talk
2: more about the mental health. Sorry, I interrupted that bit.
0: Well, no, no, I'll just go on to the purchase because the purchase is connected. Mm. So, so then I thought about it and I was like, well, what did I buy? And I bought a pair of Nike Air Max 90s, right? And I was like, well, you sound like a bit of a dick saying that that's the thing that's you know <laughs> been the thing that's defined your year but what it did is it, it sort of gave me a bit of a check in it i was like well first of all mm. you're not on the bread line you've got food in the yeah. fridge you've got a family around you you've got a house over your head and you know this you know it was just gave me such a sense of gratitude so now when i pull those shoes on i'm like okay well i'm grateful for what i've got and how am i going to use it so um mm-hmm. so you know it wasn't you know something mind-blowing but it just it was just that moment of reminding that because i think we've a lot of us have yeah. lived this unconscious life
2: mm-hmm. and
0: so it's getting back to that conscious state and so um so yeah so that's that was a that was so a tell
2: church. me Tell me like I, I've got a client and a, an amazing, gorgeous friend who lives in Zimbabwe and it's big, big time being a part of my life. And I have to say the, the good thing about having monthly calls to Zimbabwe was a reality check, realizing that we just have so much and when we complain about being on lockdown, at least we have food on our table, we have yeah. access to medical when we needed it. Um, There were, there, we are so blessed in this country, we seriously are, in the access that we have to things. Um, what are you seeing or hearing that maybe the narratives different across the globe because I know in Zimbabwe there's so much going on. she has to be very, very careful what she says, what she doesn't say. And she's actually been helping to create um, access for Zimbabweans um, to be able to uh, have a it's it's kind of like a very uh, basic, uh product where they can breathe um and it's sort of like a hand one it's kind of random looking but it's brought great results to to the country but she's not even allowed to tell the people that that's available or how to because of where the country's at and and what it looks like and the corruptness within within the government there right and and so there's just so many ins and outs and people are dying and Zimbabwe in itself has only a hundred beds. And that is not just, that's not for COVID that's just in total. And they can't even pay for the the care there as in the nurses, doctors, because um, the government won't pay them. And so there is no healthcare. And so you can only imagine when a pandemic, hits a country that was already struggling and already on the, you know, wondering how to get access to things. And in fact, it was done through a lot of underground access, which with borders closed, they can't even get that from other countries. Um, So everyday basic medication becomes life and death because you can't even get it. So Mm. uh, what are you seeing from across the globe with your conversations?
0: Well, it's interesting, you know, talking about Zimbabwe and, mm. you know, I, I feel like, you know, I, I was around during Live Aid, you know, and mm-hmm. there was that sort of, um, there was that moment of con- global consciousness where yeah. we all were like, this is wrong. We got to do something mm. about this. but But I think we've lived in such a time of comfort. And I think when you're comfortable, you just like you're in this nice comfortable chair and it's like well I don't want to get up and yeah. answer the phone turn the, I mean that's why we have remote controls we don't even want to turn the television over anymore we're so comfortable so we just like got so inactive and yeah. I think the more uncomfortable you are the more active you become mm. and so I think we've seen it in America you know with 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 the whole Trump thing, regardless of what side of politics you're on. Yeah. You know, people got so uncomfortable. They were like, well, we're not going to stand for this anymore. We need change. And I think one of the things like when I think about Live Aid, like famine had been going on for a long time. Yes. But it was only when it made us feel uncomfortable that we couldn't ignore it anymore, that we mm. decided to do something about it. And I think, you know, when you think about Zimbabwe, like that sort of, I know this sounds horrible, but it's sort of expected, do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. sort of in these nations that are, that, but then we have it in our own backyard. You go to community in Australia and, and it's, uh, you know, and when you've experienced that, you can't unsee it anymore. And so you have to do something <laughs> about it. And I think during the, right at the start of lockdown, I was chatting to this extremely um, privileged Guy who you know is, is well known. He you know like he's the acting coach to Leonardo DiCaprio. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And um and he he's in New York, right? So New York is the epitome of comfort and privilege. Yeah. Um, and yet they were devastated. And and looking out of his window, there was a makeshift morgue in the street. And so suddenly that reality hits home. But it's a reality that others have been experiencing for a for a, a day long in time, day, but we yeah. just choose to not see it. So that's I think so that's
2: true.
0: Yeah. So I think that's been a big thing during COVID is that we've, discomfort is something that has seeped into all our lives. Mm. And so in some way we've had to become a little bit more active in how we deal with it.
2: But have we, or are we just covering it up and putting our shutters on and just looking at ourselves? Because I think there were, and it has been this case of, we've just got to look out for ourselves and, and make sure we as individuals got what we need. And so, although it's happening across, and I I'm saying this not as a whole, because I know this is not true. And I know it in my own life, it's not true, but I know that in many cases, it's like, okay, I get that there's all these things happening, maybe even in our own backyard, maybe across the globe, but we're just surviving ourselves.
0: Yeah. And the survival instinct is the key, isn't it? Like you sort of, you know, you do what you need to do to get through the day and then you've got the capacity to think about other things. And I think that privilege piece is the privilege of having a few bits left to think about other things, whether it's your Nike Air Maxes or whether it's doing stuff for charity or whatever it is. But, you know, that privilege of choice when, you know, if survival fills your container and that's all you can think about, then that is the lack of privilege. And privilege is when you've got a little bit left over for other people. And then it's like, what do you choose to do with it? Okay, so so this
2: is, wait on, I have to interrupt because this is an interesting conversation in this space where I just go, I think we too much as humans, we separate ourselves from being the whole. And so you talk about, well, at that moment we can give, or at that moment we can, you know, we're in survival, but I always taught my kids this, that it doesn't matter what you've got in your hand, there is always something you can give. And I think that one of the things we do as a human race is we go, when we've got all this, then we'll give out of from that. And I always, I don't know about you, but I have this real belief, that it doesn't matter who I am, what I'm doing, that there's always something to give, whether it's time, whether it's just some love, whether it's some money. It's like we've always got something to give. And and if we, as a human race, keep waiting until we've got ourselves sorted, I don't know about you, but I'm still not that sorted. You know what I mean? And it will be a long time before I'm all sorted. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. and I agree I I mean I think I don't think that's a conscious thing I think Mm. it's just you know like it's that I agree because actually when you if you go to like Vanuatu or somewhere where I think that it's the lowest or or, you know pre-COVID it was the lowest Mm -hmm. they had the lowest minimum wage or something, but the most generous giving you know community and then you go to other communities where they're wealthy as all hell and they've they don't you know they're not well I mean Australia doesn't have a a culture of philanthropy, you know, it's, 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 so a, where it, it's so strange, you know, and so, so I don't think it's a conscious thing. I think it is, you know, I mean, I talk about this idea of having two accounts in your life, you've got, you know, your financial account and your currency, mm-hmm. and the currency fills your heart and the finance pays the bills. And mm-hmm. so the more finance you got, the more currency you need, you know, and so whether that's contribution to others or whatever it is making a difference you've got to keep playing this. So you can have a gazillion dollars in the bank, but if you're yeah. not sub- feeding your heart or contributing to others, it's worth nothing. So if you've yeah. got nothing, if you're only earning a dollar an hour, your finance is low. So you actually don't, you know, like that. it's easy to find the currency. And so, so I think that's- So just know, on consumed. that one, on yeah, that yeah, one, ahead.
2: no, no, I just want to, so if you've got a dollar, here's the thing. Yeah if I give out of and that doesn't mean that I give my dollar away or even a percentage of that 20 cents, it doesn't matter. Ah. It's what who who could I reach out to today? Oh, I could reach out to Paul, okay, I've just given it I've given even though I've got a dollar. And here's the thing, the more I keep increasing this, the more I want to increase this, I don't think it's one or the other. And I think that the world and it's interesting, you say the conscious versus the unconscious how do we narrow that gap from conscious to unconscious? Because what if we became these, and I get asked it a lot. I go, you know, hey, can you just help me increase the financial growth of my my ecosystem in that way? Or my business, they always say, and then later I'm gonna get to that point of impact. And I go, no, 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 no. Do you know every decision you make at the table has an impact, whether Mm. it's adding value to humanity or taking away from let's not separate this so the good thing is as you increase that economic growth then your contribution as in financially being able to give out to other things and to build on can increase at the same time so the more you do that and most people focus in on the financial and on side of this but if you're really driven to see change beyond your own world when you start focusing in on what, how you can help others, what that can do, guess what? This increases.
0: 100%. And,
2: but it's actually a quicker driver to that increase on that economical side of you than it is on the other side, which is an interesting pattern, but I've seen it many times. And I always say, what if we could do it at both at the same time, not just focusing on one?
0: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I have a friend in the UK who sells, like during a, com- a global pandemic, he sells supercars like Ferraris hmm. and McLaren's and to YouTube stars, right? And so Wow. So he's that's selling. a
2: niche that I have not heard of. That is so yeah, cool.
0: Exactly. It's very cool. But I asked him the other day, like, what would your dream car be? Right. So this mm-hmm. is a guy who is surrounded by absolute wealth and status and all that kind of thing. And he said, I just a car with a full tank of petrol. Hmm. And I just thought that was so beautiful that mm. he it's like it doesn't matter what it is, I just want to be able to do what I need to do. It yeah. doesn't matter what people think or what it show and I really like that and and so I when you say how do you go from bridge this gap between unconscious mm. and conscious? It, the easy answer I suppose is choice, but it's not easy, is it? You know, no. it's a, it's a constant battle. So, you know, it's just it's being aware and trying to be responsive. I, I feel like it's yeah. that empathy, it's that empathy piece of trying to see the world through other people's eyes. And if you see it through other people's eyes, then maybe you just get a glimpse of yourself. And if, you know, in that moment when you sort of looking, oh, we've spent a year looking at ourselves on Zoom and stuff, right? (laughs) So it's been hard to get away from yourself. Yeah. So it's just that moment when you take a look at this. Yeah, when did that guy (laughs) show up? I don't know. So I think it is, you know, and again, that comes out of privilege, the privilege to stop and reflect not everyone has that privilege to stop and reflect and you know i i do some coaching with the seth Godin's old mba and a big part of that is that is that reflection piece and everyone's showing up for what do i get out at the end of it but actually this building this muscle of reflection and reflection Mm. regardless of whether it's you know whether it's painful or it's something you don't want to see and as coaches or you know mentors or even as you know business leaders you know, i think our job is to just keep nudging you know keep jabbing in the ribs yeah. to say like have a look from over here oh have a look what does that look like why you know why is the communication that you're giving out not getting the response you want it for maybe it's not about the receiver maybe it's about the giver and it's just mm. you know just just not making it i and making it we and i think coming back to that humanity piece it's like once you know we're all connected and you accept that we're all connected then you have to yeah. take responsibility You know, I'm a I'm a tree I'm a tree hugger. I go in the forest. I hug trees. I love it. Touch trees. I'm like I have to be in connection to to nature. Well, not even we are nature, right? That we are nature. Yeah. So it's not I've got to connect. It's like well, it's actually I've got to reconnect. And when you think about a forest, the forest doesn't go. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna share resources today. Or, oh, I've mm. got enough, I've got enough carbon, I'm going to, you know, I've got enough of this, so I'm going to now share it. it. just does it. Like, it doesn't have a heart, it doesn't have yeah. a brain, it just does what it needs to do, you know, whether it's the cycle of dropping fruit for the, you know, for the animals that live in the forest, or whether it's, you know, there's trees that on one side of the forest will detect a predator and tell the trees on the other side of the forest so that they don't get affected by it, you know, and, and this is all happening without conscience this is just Mm. happening nature's designed to do this and so we've just evolved into our you know we put fences around our houses and we you know we keep our own we protect our own little piece of the world as opposed to you know community i just made a tv show Mm. up in the torres strait called straight to the plate and which comes out on sbs food in on the 22nd of april There's my plug. And those communities are so codependent, you know, because the water is rising and the the climate is changing. And Mm -hmm. they're all about, you know, those communities are all about, you know, taking what nature gives you at any time. So what the seasons bring you, what the winds bring you, you know, but it's changing and they're having to deal with it together as a community. No one's going away and going, well, I'm going to take all this and you can't have any of it. They're like, how do we as a community deal with that? And I think that's maybe we're starting to value those connections a little bit more because we've been forced to break them. You know, like we have put fences around our houses and now we've actually got lockdown has made us stay within those and we've gone, well, hang on. This isn't actually what I want. I want to be out there. So it's like, well, mm-hmm. let it in if you let it in.
2: So have we or are we? Because here's the thing. If social media tells us, and it's funny because on this table, I've had so many leaders say to me, I think social media has a lot to do with where we're going as a society. And I think that we listen to social media and, and it's like fueling the monster within us if we're not careful. But so if we're thinking of creating awareness, is our awareness on the wrong areas? Are we being filled up with things that are not truth or that are actually bringing more division you think of what's happened across the world with racial tension you know i remember last year i ran a forum at the called the global human intelligence forum at the time when the racial tension was at the most you know most divisive sort of space in life really and i go here we are within even tribes fighting and being, you know, bringing division, let alone us as a culture, as a human race. And I wonder if we're actually at a space in time where we are trying to identify who that is and what our narrative is, and yeah. yet as a collective, we're getting more and more further apart. I don't know, I'm questioning it at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love this chat about social media because there's this sort of presupposition that social media is bad you know, and the internet Mm. is bad. And it's like, well, I don't agree. You know, I I think, you know, imagine, I remember when I was a kid and my parents would be like, stop watching the television, go and read a book. You know, and now we're like, stop being on your iPad, come and watch television, (laughs) you know, and I'm sure, you know, back in the day it was like, stop painting on the side of that cave wall, you know, like, come and read a book. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the medium changes. But the mm. message and how we deal with it. So I think if you if you only, you know, like I think about The Croods, you know, that film, that Pixar film, The Croods, yeah. where yeah. the father's really fearful of everything that's outside the cave. And then they go outside the cave and then they end up in this magical world. Mm. because. So it's about perspective. So if you like, well, if you only go there, then that's yeah. all you're gonna see. So if you only mm-hmm. surround yourself with trolls And people who are curating their life in a way that's not real, that's all you're gonna see. But I know for me, I'm having conversations now with, with, you know, I'm talking a lot about, you know, diversity and equity and bias and all Mm -hmm. these things that this young guy who grew up in a small farming village in the north of England who, You would literally cross the road if someone was different to you, you know, whether that was they were divorced or they were black or whatever it was. Yeah. And so here am I having these conversations with people from all different walks of life, all because the Internet and social has stimulated those conversations. So I I love this chat because having teenage kids, it's always like Internet bad. It's like well is it really you know like actually I think it, it's how you use it it's the same as anything and so yeah, I love that you know you know so I, I actually think there's you know the fact that we can have this conversation we would have been you know trying to make this happen for six months so that we could be in the same yeah. place together now we don't have to do that and you the, the decision table is is like this central linchpin for all these conversations that wouldn't happen without this medium. So yeah. we're, I think it's privilege. I, I so to agree with it. you
2: in that way. Yeah, me too. And I think it's us being smart to what we listen to, how we listen to that, and to go back to one of the things that you said, which I think is so important, and that is getting the perspective through different lenses. You have literally the privilege of looking through different lenses in a massive way, right? In yeah, what you yeah. do, but you have chosen to do that. And because of that, you're having these amazing conversations, myself included. It's one of the reasons I wanted to have the decision table. I felt kind of selfish that I was getting these amazing conversations with amazing global leaders and within many, many different sectors. And there was so much learning that I could gather from it that I felt really selfish that I wasn't sharing it with the world. Mm. But here's the thing. And I think this is interesting that we got to have these conversations because we chose to do that. And so we have been able to, you know, begin to evolve more and more in who we are and what we're about. But in the same way, we chose to do that. And we look in those places to find out more. Hmm. I don't know. And I think part of what I'd love to see more as a collective is that we are having these conversations in an open forum like we're doing today and that others can learn how, we may not think the same, we may not do the same thing, and yet there's some common things that we can connect on. And those common things will then, you know, as a responsibility, because we now know it, we go, okay, let's put that in place because that's gonna bring the change that is needed across the globe. I think that this is an interesting conversation because these, if we go back to another thing you said, If we're looking through different lenses, we're having conversations like this, but it's uncomfortable because I might not look like you. I might not sound like you and I don't really relate to you, maybe. So how do we have those conversations? And I think this is the tricky piece right now, is that not only are we to have these conversations to create awareness that will give us different lenses to look through, it's not that comfortable.
0: No, it's not. And, and it's also, I feel like the way people deal with that discomfort is to try and control it. Mm. And I feel like there's a lot of control going on. And I see it in the entertainment industry, you know, like, can black people be the only people having conversations about black issues? Can, you know, gay people only have be having conversations about gay issues? And, you know, can women only talk about gender equality? And I think that, of course, and I fully respect all that, you know, that I think the way we want to create equity, it's not even about equality, it's about equity. And if we want this balance, if you're only loading up one side of the seesaw, then it's going to be like this. So mm-hmm. you actually need to load up two sides of the conversation. But to do that, you need to be prepared to have difficult conversations. Correct. and You need to be, be prepared to be wrong. But you also Correct. need to be prepared to learn, you know. And mm. so, like, I'm here. Am I, uh, you know, a bald white guy having a conversation about <laughs> DEI all over the world? And yeah. because I think, well, because it's really important to me, you know, people don't. My connection is that I, you know, I grew up in a place like I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to. Well, I wanted to be a dancer, and people had an opinion about that. And so they were like, oh, well, you must be gay. You must be this. You must be that. And yeah. so straight away, yeah. you're excluded. And so for me, it's all about, well, everybody needs an opportunity. Every, you know, where the children need an opportunity to be educated. Everybody needs an opportunity to be able to speak up and to be mm. welcome into a conversation. So what that means is that sometimes you have to put yourself to one side to hear what, you know, because this conversation around race, there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot yeah. of deep rooted hurt. And I represent the hurt. And so if you're yeah. gonna have a conversation, it's important to have that conversation in a place that's safe and brave and a place where you actually are looking to find an outcome. Not not find an outcome, because it's not about outcomes, it's about the journey. But we're redefining, you know, like we said right at the start, you know, you spent time in New Zealand, you grew up in New Zealand, you're Australia, you're a global citizen. I don't know whether I'm English. I don't know whether I'm Australian. And so what we're actually doing is creating a new narrative. Yeah. We're writing a new story, and we're doing that together. And no one's story is more valuable than anyone else's. Nice. And I think that's – and I think maybe because I didn't have any formal education, I just come at it with a sense of naivety. Me <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: So it's like, well, I don't know anything. So I'm just – we're all making it I? up. And yeah. so you just come at it with this sense of curiosity and naivety and you can always go, oh, I didn't realize that. But I think that's why, you know, you have this beautiful skill of of being this catalyst for these kind of conversations because it comes from a place without agenda. That's what I love about yeah. this, because it's like no one's here to sell a product. You don't even promote mm-hmm. who's on. You know mm. so it's not about You right, noticed okay. that? Huh? <laughs> I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. It's like yeah. let's not do the bio, let's not mm. and that's because it's like no, we're here, we're now, yeah. whatever this conversation and I'll, we'll get back. I'll play it back and i will go, oh my god, did I say that? But oh, but see. it comes from somewhere. Yeah. And if we're all Correct. connected through humanity, mm-hmm. my opinion on the world's not unique. It's come from the generation before me the generation before them the generation before yeah. them it's all filtered down and so now it's just like this big messy ball and we just have to go right well it's sort of like you go you know you're an infant and then you're an adolescent and when you I mean, i've got teenagers they they you know my daughter will go to she swims and she'll mm. go to the swimming pool and forget her swimmers like. The one thing you have to think about is taking swimmers to the swimming pool. Right. So their brains are so wrapped up and messy. And so we all go. So maybe humanity has gone through that adolescent phase and maybe what Mm. this next phase is, is we're starting to move into this maturity phase. And then what's brilliant is the indigenous communities from around the world, they're so far ahead of us.
2: I, I They've believe already so. been
0: through it, mm. and they're already mm. so they're they're like looking back, and we think we're looking back when we look at them, mm. and actually they're looking back when they look at us. So there's so much. Oh, to learn. I love
2: that. Mm. You know,
0: and nature's been around for even longer than them, and so nature's looking back, and so we all we sit in this place where we think we are the be all and end all, and we'll you know we'll bring everyone with us. Actually, we're playing catch up, <laughs> so we mm. actually need to get. Get in step with everyone else, and with you know nature, and with the indigenous cultures, and you know people who are wiser than us. And again, that means that you can't. That's uncomfortable because it, you can't tell yourself you know it all, or you've got all the answers. So the questions are more important.
2: I love that. But that, for me, brings it all back to humanity as stakeholders at the table. Like, it really 100%. does. And and that it's less, uh, just going back to something you said, which was, you know, we can have the racial talk, we can have the gender talk, we can talk, uh, you know, about LGBTQ, you know, and, and the rights there. And And what if we came back to first, and this is what I'm always saying, that first we see each other as humans, and we have the human race talk yeah you know and i think that this is such a interesting conversation because everyone keeps pushing humanity as this big thing that we talk about when we get to that global space and when we talk but humanity is us that's you that's me i'm a human and we are human at the table but we are forgetting to put human first and we are starting to deal with what we bring to that. So I think I don't even talk about diversity. I talk about distinctions that us as humans, we are human first and we bring our distinctions to the table. And I know when you know that there were all those conversations going on overseas last year and it was really brought to the front and it happened to be at that time that I said that I put on this forum. And I had over 70 leaders come to this forum. We spoke about anything and everything from youth having a voice, from disabilities having a voice, from, you know, whatever color you are having a voice, from, and we just, we had an open forum of really beautiful conversations and amazing leaders. I have to say amazing leaders willing to speak from their perspective and then be open for me to, pull it apart a bit like this and have conversation and go wherever I needed to take that and then have an open forum of a conversation. It was the most powerful three days of my, it was probably the change in my life that I just thought, I wish it could be like every single Mm. day where it was a safe zone. And I know we talk about safety, but it really was a safe place where there was no judgment. Anyone could ask anything of anyone. And I think we need to get back to that where, you know, in a tribe in a lot of places you would be able to ask questions to your elders or your, you know, people that you really respected to find out what is it that you think in this way? And why do you do it this way? I think that we've lost that because there are certain things that are norms in society that we have to abide by because there are our biases, there are conditionings and they are the way, The sort of the systems are are made up. And we need to learn to how to have that conversation where there is no judgment, but I need to just listen. And I wonder if we can get back to that. I wonder if we can, how we can do that in better ways and make it more acceptable to do this. And one of the reasons I do these conversations is so that we are able to you know, have this role modeled in a way that we don't come with an agenda here. We don't know where we're going. And here's the thing, we both will evolve from this conversation and we need to teach that and role model to realize that the new approach to leadership isn't to go back to old school, here I am, tell you what to do, this is how you got to do it, but to actually listen and to learn from different perspectives and then go, well, what am I going to do with that? How am I going to, you know, bring the change about that is needed? By now, what has become very conscious?
0: And what do we do with the consequences of that? So, you know, yeah. if someone questions us, like I'm sure, you know, we will over the course of this conversation, we'll trigger something in someone. Mm. And I know it comes from a good place. Like it's not in any way to be controversial or to be hurtful but you don't know how you trigger people. And so then then you've got to be prepared to have that conversation. So I was in a group just over a year ago and we were talking about time zones. There was six people from, I think we were 12 time zones across the whole six weeks sprint. And I just couldn't get my head around the time zones. And so I just said, hey, can someone help me with time zone? Because I'm a little, I apologize for using this word, but I said, I'm a little time zone retarded, right? And I hate that word, but I didn't understand the power of that word. Yeah. And, you know, three days later, someone sent me a Slack message, you know, and just said, look, I've been sitting on that, that Mm. what you said, and I know you didn't mean it to be hurtful or harmful, but it really affected me. And I was so grateful that they actually pointed it out to me because I was sort of using it as a lame attempt at humor. I hadn't realized how low that word was and how triggering that word was. And I've never used it since. I so obviously I used it in the context of this story. But it was such valuable feedback. Now, it would have been very easy for me to push back and go, oh, that's not what I meant. You know, Get over yourself, blah, blah, blah. But actually, yeah. it was the most valuable feedback for me about the power of language and how, you know, our truth and what we say, and we say things that, you know, when it, so you have to, when someone says, these are the pronouns I would like to use, or, you know, can you, I don't know, we used to have miss versus Ms, you know, back in the day, you know, and you've got to respect that, because it means something to that person. And so that, so when you have these conversations, and they're going on sort of you're not curating them in a way you're just speaking mm. having a really great conversation you got to be prepared that you're going to get it wrong and then it's like what do you do with that yeah
2: but i think this comes to something that has come up quite a lot as we've talked about humanity as stakeholders is the fact that maybe as humans we you know i've read candace owens while well, i'm reading her book and she's quite controversial, particularly in with black African-American, because in a lot of ways, she's quite opposite to what is said by many in that arena. But what is interesting about what she said and something that I've been so conscious about since I read it. And that was this, that she said, you know, we often have had words in English that were created for a certain reason and a meaning behind it. And we are not using those words today Mm. in this world in that way. And so because of that, I have been asking questions in around, what are you meaning by that particular word? Because I know that I have a certain thinking around that. And I don't want to jump into my biases straight away and ignore what you're thinking in that way, because maybe I just don't have your perspective. And I think one of the things that's come out of that, because I've been doing that, is that there's this reality that, we're not even thinking the same things when we're saying those words. And that's kind of scary and exciting in some ways too, because the scary side of that is I will take it on face value without listening to you first. And I will judge you on that. That's scary. Yeah. The exciting thing is that you kind of get to open up a whole new world of thinking when you ask, what are you really meaning by that? What are you saying by that? And one of the reasons I'm hopping on about certain lenses for at least a month on the decision table is because just because I see humanity as stakeholders, there are so many variables and layers to what I think of that. And I could say it in one little phrase, but that could be totally changed by someone down the track that has just heard that. But really there's layers to what I'm thinking with this. There's, thinking's way beyond me just saying, you know, that humanity as stakeholders means that for me, that we go first as humans first. And then we we bring our distinctions or every decision we make at the table is around humanity. And is it adding value? Is it taking away? There's so many layers to that. And I could be misunderstood by that concept or gone. I don't even know what you're talking about, Kiri Murray, right? Mm. And so I think that this is the interesting thing, that as I'm asking these questions on the same thing, I am hearing so many different perspectives around the same thing.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting you use the lens metaphor because for me, the lens is real. Yeah. Because I make film and television. And so I'm constantly changing lens. So I'll be like, okay, Mm. well, the scene is playing out in this way let's put a 100 mil lens on it, which means I'm going to see in absolute detail everything. Or I might go, right, now let's put a wider lens on so that we can see the context and see Mm. where that sits within the bigger picture. So that lens shift and also where you place the camera is Mm. so critical to the understanding of the scene and what's been really interesting with the democratization of content is we're seeing whole different perspectives from different generations that we've never seen before because conversations have always been created uh, curated Mm. by you know people who know the craft and now we're seeing content Mm. being curated by people who are only shooting it from their perspective and that's confronting for grown-ups and adults, because we're mm. like, well, hang on. So we're seeing, and so we form an opinion like, oh, you know, they're all, pouting, they're doing whatever on Instagram, and TikTok and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's like, well, that's their truth right now.
2: Yeah. So yeah. you can react
0: to the content or you can think about the perspective.
2: So what are you taking from that?
0: Well, I love it because, you know, it's what they see. And so it's a great lesson. You know, like you say, when you ask, what do you mean by that? Mm. It's quite a courageous question to ask because I'm always <laughs> doing that with my teenagers and they're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> Cause they're stuck in their <laughs> own <so> truth. <laughs> and
1: they're
0: like, are yeah, you trying to catch me out? Or, are you trying to tell me off? I'm like, no, I just want to know. I just want to be yeah. curious. I just want to understand when you say you want to do this, where does that come from? Or, what is sitting behind that? And so getting curious rather than straight away going in with a no or telling them how the world is through my lens. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, and so, you know, I think we've got this sort of older, not older, more established knowledge. And then yeah. we've got this emerging knowledge. And these two things, I think, in Western culture tend to run parallel. Yes as opposed to trying to find a way to come together and cross over. Yeah. And that's why we're losing, you know, industry people leaving and creating a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And then young people are getting frustrated because they can't get their foot in the door. And so they've taken matters into their own hands by using TikTok and using YouTube and using all these platforms when there's no gatekeeper. And so they can just go and mess it up as many times as they want until they get it right, whatever right is. But these two worlds are coming that they're not you know, we're running in parallel, but then my experience working, you know, in the Torres Strait, the community cannot work unless you cross over. Mm. And even whether you get to stir a pan of food is, you know, a conversation or is, you know, is something that's passed down, because it's Uh. all about passing down this knowledge and sharing stories. And I'd be curious, I mean, I don't know enough about it, because I've, you know, I've not had the privilege of being so on, on the inside, but I'd be curious to know how much of that is holding on to tradition yeah, and how much of it is forming a new narrative, mm. because I think that's, you know, I think that's where we're at, is like, what does this new, not even normal, it's like, what is the new narrative? Yeah. Because we've scratched the old narrative forever. Yeah. Not, you know, like we, we don't know what, life will never be the same again post-COVID
2: and in some ways that's a good (laughs) thing
0: yeah hopefully (laughs) i think 95 percent of the population will be longing to go back to normal but i think you know some of us will be like right okay what's the opportunity it's like we've pressed the restart what does what does it look like now
2: Mm. okay so here's the thing i know this is kind of random but if anyone wants to know more about what you do and connect with you more what's the best spot for that i just want to make sure i do that
0: Uh, ah linkedin perfect wherever linkedin all right yeah. wherever
2: wherever yeah. paul is go find I'm him
0: himself half the time <laughs> so if someone else can find me good luck to them can they tell me I'm where a bit i am the
2: same so don't worry i so get it <laughs> but it's also got to this time of the the conversation we're almost ending this broadcast and it's been an amazing conversation and i i could talk to you for hours and hours there's just so many ways we could go deeper and and i just love your thinking across so many For me, it's intriguing because it's across so many gamuts. I get a lot of people who can go deep dive in one area, but for me, it's really beautiful always to have conversation with someone who is so at, sees it across the globe as well as right here at home. And it's those extremes. And it's a bit like the lens that sometimes, you know, you can look at it in the wide lens, but then narrow in and see it very, very differently. So to be able to go through conversation, through that is always just such a privilege for me to be able to do that with someone. So I want to thank you for that.
0: Thank you for creating the platform to do it because it <laughs> is, you know, like, you know, those just sitting down and having a chat, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Often enough. Um,
2: So I love that. And by the way, Janine says, love it when my worlds collide and two people I love get to connect. So there we go. We uh-huh. love you, Janine. But here's the thing, we are right at that point that at every conversation, this is the only question I ask the same. And that is, what are you taking from this conversation?
0: I feel, it sounds a bit cliche, but this idea of just constantly being curious, you know, mm. and being brave to be curious. I think being curious sort of feels like a bit of a buzzword right now. Like, let's get curious, blah, blah, blah. It's like, a you know, but actually this distinction between safe and brave is something that I'm going to explore this week because I think there is a slight difference between the two and one. Tell me what you're that,
2: thinking so far like safe well, and brave.
0: Well I think ask some of the questions that you are prepared to ask of yourself and you've asked me and you've, you, you're asking the people that listen and the people around you come from a real place of curiosity but courage to be able to ask them because another, other people mm. are not asking them and the questions are not hard. They're not hard um, questions to form. They're just hard yes. questions to ask. ask. Oh and, yes. And so, you know, like, it's a given that this is safe, this space. Mm. But I think what you, from this conversation, it's reminding me just to be a little bit braver. And mm. just to, you know, like, it can't all be intellectualized. It has to be put into practice. And it's it's the doing that's the courage piece. That's the bravery piece. It's it would be really easy. And I've seen people make television film where they stay on the same lens for the whole film. And you're like, God, yeah. you're missing out on so much. So it is that you're courage right. to keep changing the lens regardless of what the feedback looks like.
2: So here's the thing. If you began to be braver in that way, how do you think it would change what you're doing?
0: Well. I feel like it would probably get me out of that snow globe that I would probably not like to admit to myself that I've placed myself within in the last 12 months because there's safety in being in there. And even though someone comes along and shakes it and the snow goes everywhere and it's a bit chaotic, it settles and it's safe and you're in there. And so it's like, what would my snow dome look like if I connected it to Kira Marie's? And that happened today. Mm. And, it, and it wasn't scary, even though I sort of had a restless night's sleep last night, going, <laughs> oh my God, what am I gonna say? You know, and then it's like, okay, well, what if Kira Marie and I connected ours to Janine? Or what yeah. if we connected ours to someone else? And, and that then cre- when we talk about consciousness and how do you create that consciousness, maybe it's just about having these conversations and connecting all the worlds up in a place that people feel yeah. comfortable to have them, but uncomfortable to do it.
2: Yeah, and that's interesting you say that because that's something that has come out of these conversations and, and in April, actually on the same day that you're releasing that film or whatever that film's being released, the 22nd, we are joining together as a collective of people. I'm inviting, privately inviting people to that and I'm making sure that I'm inviting only those that I think will add value to that and will bring safety to that conversation, but leaders across the globe for us to have conversations more like this. And it's funny because there's actually a gap. I I do believe there is a gap between us knowing that that would be beneficial and us stepping over the line and actually owning it and coming to that. And I'm, I'm in that space right now going, I'm willing to have that platform and bring leaders together to have more of these conversations and to see how as a collective, we can be part of that change and whatever that looks like. Sounds so easy in theory, not so. And, and everyone says they want it but actually getting them over the line that is a different story. So it's an interesting space where I think in some ways I've opened up doors of, wow, this is quite possible and I want to be doing this, but then actually committing to it. And I think that's where Mm -hmm. it comes down to not only do we have to create awareness, but we have to take ownership of what we are going to take from that and then bring the change. And then that change has to be sustainable. And I wonder if we can do that in bigger, better ways. But I want to say what I've got from this conversation because I've loved our conversation. Like I said, it's been so beautiful. And I love that whole globe thing, you know, that, what did you call them? Snow globe, the snow, snow
0: globe. globe
2: thing. I think that's so cool. And connecting that as a collective and, and bringing that together, I think that's beautiful. But I also think for me, it was that indigenous piece that you said, you know, we often think we want them to catch up to us but you reminded me very much of, hey, we're trying to catch up to them. And I just think that that is just so beautiful. And I I look forward to when it doesn't become them over there or behind or in front, but together as a collective, we are looking at humanity as stakeholders and we are moving forward because it is, because we want a better humanity and humanity becomes a tribe again. And I, I look forward and, you know, someone said to me, it might have been on a decision table they said how do you believe that that's even a truth that oh, it was it was on a decision table you know eight billion people and i said but i, I want to believe that there is hope that as eight billion people could begin to realize that we're part of a bigger tribe which is the human race and that mm. we can either add value to it or take away and i figure that if if i do that you do that if janine does it a few other people do it then already we start seeing that shift forward because there's the 1%, the 1%, the 1%, and we will see change. And that to me brings hope. And Mm. our conversation today brings hope that, you know, we have got so much to learn from each other and we're continuing to evolve. And I, you know, just even with, with that gap of, you know where the indigenous in the past we've thought well they've got to catch up to us and then to where they are if that happened as a collective that all of a sudden we are caught up together what would that mean how could that look I and for mm. me that's like that's kind of I want to get to that point, because that sounds kind of exciting to be at that space.
0: And it doesn't need to be overwhelming either, does it? Like, no. no. you're bringing together leaders. Like, if you imagine this is just a flat lake,
2: mm. like,
0: if each leader just brings one pebble. Yes. And drops them in. So, you'll get the oh, first ring. That. And suddenly, there's this tsunami forming. You know, like, if everyone throws their pebble, they only need to bring one pebble. So, no one has to solve it. No. Like might. I might have brought one pebble today, and that's all that mm. needs to happen. And that it's those collective, that collective throwing in of those pebbles in to break the surface of this still mm. lake. I think that's what will make a big difference. And that still takes courage, but yeah. it's just a bit more comfortable to do only to only be responsible for one pebble. And mm. surely we've all got a pebble in us.
2: Oh, I love that. Surely we've all got a pebble in us. I reckon we do. What's your pebble you're throwing in there today?
0: Oh, God, do you want to go for another hour? No, <laughs> no but I, no. I just
2: think that that would be a beautiful way to end the broadcast. What's Yeah,
0: your well, I I really do think my pebble is perspective. Hmm. And, you know, just saying, come over here. Let's look at it from over here or come over here. And it's just a simple change of, you know, whether you put your weight on one of your left foot or your right foot. It's as simple oh, as that. I, that. I think the simplicity of a shift in perspective can make a massive difference in in people's lives. And it's something that I have to constantly remind myself. And when I get into those dark places, it's like, OK, move Because mm. if you move just around. There is a little little glimmer of light that you can walk towards. But if from over here, it's just darkness. So I think it's that shift in perspective.
2: I love that. Thank you. And thank Thank you you. so much for being on here. It has been truly a privilege to have you here and just having this conversation and seeing where it goes. And I'm so visual that for me, that pebble is going to be the thing that I think of for the Leaders Movement of just each leader putting a pebble into that water. I think that's the most powerful Visual that I could imagine for that. So thank you for giving me that today and I'm going to be taking that with me. So thanks so much for being here.
0: Thanks for a great start to the week.
2: (laughs) I'm going to end this broadcast now.
1: Brilliant. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.